Um, and I have the privilege of speaking with you all about some things that the Lord has been teaching me my last four years here at Ball State, and I'm extremely excited, slightly nervous, um, but very humbled to have this opportunity. And so tonight, I just want to speak with you all about the reality of spiritual warfare. This is something that I think sometimes people are like, oh, no, that's like, that doesn't happen. Um, Satan, demons, that's like not real. Uh, or people just have a misconception on what spiritual warfare really is. And so with that being said, this talk is really mainly for the believer, um, someone who is able uh, to have somewhat of, of like their blinders lifted away spiritually and able to somewhat uh, experience the heavenly realms. And so, but if you're not a believer, I still encourage you to listen and tune in because if you do choose to come into a relationship with Christ someday, this will be extremely practical and relevant, and I would love for you to, to listen. So, I honestly didn't have much of an understanding of spiritual warfare until about the beginning of my junior year. I'm still learning a ton about it. Um, but I really had no idea how to identify it or really what it was up, up until then. And so I'm, I'm excited to share that with you guys tonight. So first, let's open up to Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. If you have your Bibles, and I'll pray real quick. Father, would you um, please just teach us tonight through your word, uh, help us to understand the reality of the warfare that is happening in the heavenly realms. Um, and Lord, would the words coming out of my mouth be glorifying to you and satisfactory. Amen. So in Ephesians 6 here, this is the end of a letter Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. And he is reminding them of, the, of a battle that is happening in the heavenly realms here. And so we just pick up here in verse 10, in chapter 6, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. <clears throat> So, the heavenly realm, it talks about the heavenly realms, and Paul is speaking about a battle that is happening that we cannot really perceive with our five senses, and, and that's where he talks about the heavenly realm. He tells us that the devil is scheming against us, and we need to be aware and prepared to fight him back, and so what I think is really important and in fighting a battle, we need to know who our enemy is, the tactics that he uses, and how we can defend and be on the offense of a battle like this. So the name Satan in Hebrew is Satan, which literally means adversary, uh, adversary and, and so just with that translation, we can immediately know that Satan's uh, identity is to oppose and be in conflict with God. And he desires for you and me to not know Jesus. That's who Satan is. 
Now, God's plan for us is to be in relationship with him and to know his great love. But Satan's characteristic is, has always been to originate sin and tempt others to sin. And sin is what keeps us from being in relationship with God or experiencing fellowship with him if you're a believer. <clears throat> and so... This just leads me into the, the next point of what is the enemy's mission? What, what is, how does Satan work? What are his tactics? So Satan has two objectives, and that is to prevent unbelievers from knowing God and to tempt Christians to not wholly obey and trust God because that will inevitably in, inhibit a Christian's ability to witness to other Christians, and, and that's something that Satan does does not want. So the enemy has several tactics through which he does this. He'll use lies, deceptions, and any other form of destructive activity to tempt people to turn away from God. One huge thing the enemy does is that he entices our own desires. He um, is able to pick up on things that that we enjoy our fleshly desires and entice those. And we are ultimately responsible for how we deal with temptation, for how we respond to temptation and and for our sin. But the enemy wants to use that temptation to destroy our fellowship with God. And so what's important here is that he doesn't necessarily want us to worship him himself, but he wants us to worship ourselves and our own desires and he wants us to worship idols in our lives to keep us distracted from the Lord. And, and it's just, uh, I think Sammy brought this up and was really great in talking about how Satan really overpromises and he underdelivers. He, he promises that if you fulfill that, that desire of yours, God doesn't want you to do it, but I, I'm telling you that if you do it, it's going to satisfy you. But then you do it, and all you're filled with is shame and guilt, and you do not feel close to God. And so that's, and that's a tactic that Satan uses of over-promising and under-delivering. And that's spiritual warfare. Um, it's, it's pretty, um, I don't know, I guess simple. It happens in every day-to-day things and in our hearts often. So I want us now to turn to 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. So, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Now, I learned last year at uh, the 2016 uh, Ball State Crew Men's Retreat, go go men, um, (laughs) that I... This passage was brought up and talked about, they, the speakers spoke about how a lion hunts. And in this passage, there's a very vivid word picture that's painted about how, how the enemy seeks to um, kill and destroy and infiltrate our spiritual lives. And he says that he prowls around like a lion. And so last year, we learned that a lion goes in uh, for and, and attacks a large group of animal. I don't really know like all the groups in Africa, like 
the animals, <laughs> but he'll, let's just call them groups of animals. Um, and, and what the lion does is he doesn't kill immediately when he attacks. He tries to isolate the weakest one or the one that is handicapped, and then that is where he devours his prey. You see, he, he, puts, something, he, he puts something that he sees into isolation and devours it. And that's exactly how Satan works. And so I think this just reinforces the fact that God really has created us to be in community. He has created us to, um, to, to be with other believers and to be vulnerable with the lies that the enemy is teaching us. Because if you're, if you're tempted to, to go be by yourself and isolate yourself when you're experiencing shame or guilt or doubt or fear, that's, that's the enemy tempting you to be by yourself so that he can fill your head with more and more lies and keep your eyes off of Jesus. And that will inevitably handicap your ministry. And so spiritual warfare really does happen in the regular day-to-day things like work, school, and especially when we do ministry. And so my final point here is that Jesus, though, in all of this, is not surprised by any of this, and he has authority and power over the entire spiritual realm of which demons are a part of. So now let's flip to Matthew chapter 8, and we'll, we'll read 28 through 32. When he arrives at the other side of the region of the... Uh, Sorry, I meant to look up this word. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce it. Let's call it Gadarenes. Um, Two demon-possessed men coming from the tomb met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want to do with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. So we see here that Jesus has authority over the enemy. He has authority over demons in this passage. And I think what's really important to note is that right when Jesus showed up, the demons called him by his name. They said, son of God. He didn't have, Jesus had to, didn't have to say anything. He just showed up, and the demons were immediately fearful, um, and they were immediately put on the defense. I mean, they're shouting at him, and, uh, and they recognized who he was. They also recognized that there was going to be a second coming of Christ as well. And so I think it's really interesting uh, just to look briefly at the previous passage. Jesus, is perform- Jesus has performed a bunch of miracles at this point in front of all of his disciples. And we see right before this, they're crossing the Sea of, uh, of Galilee. And there's a huge storm, hurricane-like storm, and Jesus calms it. And in verse 27, they say, what kind of man is this? And so they're, they're still not calling him uh, the Christ or son of man. But then you see the demons. He shows up right to the demons, and the demons, they know who he is right away. Um, 
And so the enemy is not unaware of the truth or who God is and the authority that he has. They just, he, he, the enemy just doesn't want to, um, they just want to avoid the truth and to ignore it. And so because of this authority that Jesus has over the enemy, you and I as Christians have authority over Satan and demons as well through the power of the Holy Spirit. So now let's return to the passage we started off at in Ephesians 6, verses, and I will read verses 13 through 20. And so Paul has just told us that there's a war going on in the heavenly realms. And, um, and, and so he begins now to give, uh, he, he exhorts us to be ready to fight back, and he's about to illustrate how we can fight temptation and spiritual attack through um, talking about Roman armor. So, <clears throat> he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that wherever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may d declare it fearlessly as I should. So Paul is telling us to stand firm with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. I don't have time to really go through all these things, but I would really encourage you all to look these up to see um, really what all these pieces of armor did for a Roman soldier, because it's, it's really interesting um, in how it relates to spiritual warfare as well. But what, what's most important is to know that these are pieces of armor for a soldier uh, to have if they are going to survive a battle and win a fight. If they don't have these things, they're going to lose and they're going to die. And... Um, and so it's important for us to equip ourselves uh, for when spiritual warfare happens because it will happen. And so just a few practical things. In order to, to fight against the enemy, we should be doing the following. One, be in community with believers. We need to be confessing sins and, um, and being vulnerable with our brothers and sisters so that we can let them in on the lies that we're being fed and they can pray for us. And that leading to my second point, um, to pray. Prayer is extremely powerful, especially with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we have complete authority because of Jesus Christ. His Spirit lives in us. Uh, we have authority over, over these things. And, and God desires to answer our prayers if they are glorifying to him. And thirdly is to be in the word, the word daily <laughs> um, and apply it to our lives. We are called... Uh, 
to memorize scripture and to know, to know the word and use it um, to, defend, to defend against the enemy. So Jesus has won the battle for our salvation, but the enemy is going to attack to uh, prevent the spread of the gospel. However, we have the Holy Spirit, which, which gives us the ability to fight temptation and turn towards God. And so if I can give you one ex- exhortation for the rest of your time here at Ball State and for the rest of your life, that would, that would be it. Um, I want to encourage you guys to keep fighting, to prepare yourselves for battle, and to know that you do have um, the armor and you are equipped for spiritual battle, um, and Jesus has won. And so let me just pray for us real quick, and the band's going to come on up. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you just um, help us uh, have confidence in the authority that you have. We thank you, um, Lord, that you are victorious, that we can trust you, that you have all authority, and Lord God, that you are the Almighty. Uh, God, we trust you, and just pray that you would continue to transform our hearts. I pray for everyone as the year is coming to a close, Lord, that you prepare their hearts for the following year um, and what is to come. And Lord, that you would continue to prepare us for, for spiritual warfare. We love you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen.